Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the podcast for the 21st century for military spouses, by military spouses, about military spouses and their world. Welcome to another edition of the critically acclaimed, always fresh, never boring, Military Spouse Spouts. Here's your host, Susan Reynolds, and co-host, Dave Etter. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Um, so little difference here today. Um, my co-host, my partner in crime, Dave, is not on the show with us right away. And that's okay because, as you know, here at Spouse Bouts, we like to wing it and we adapt and overcome quickly because we are military families and that's how we roll. But today, I have a really phenomenal guest. I'm very excited. I have a phenomenal guest on. His name is Michael Meese, Mike, and he is coming to us from, and I'm going to get this is a very long acronym, so you're going to have to work with me, Mike. It's A-A-F-M-A-A, right? Did I get that right? That's right. right. Yes. Yep, that's right, Susan. It's the American Armed Forces Mutual Aid Association. I, thank you for giving me all that, because I was like, why didn't I look that up about what, what it actually stands for? I'm feeling very ill-prepared here, and I'm going to <laughs> apologize to you for that. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> and usually not that. I usually look up acronyms, and I'm thinking, why didn't I look that one up? And we're going to be talking financial planning and financial readiness because, well, some things have changed. Yeah? Yeah, uh, ab- they have. Absolutely. Things have changed. Uh, I think it's yeah, – I was in the Army for 32 years before retiring, and it's gotten even more challenging for military families today. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to tell you a quick story about my horrible brush with financial um, – my lack of financial preparedness. How about that? So when I started college in the 90s and I was walking through the student center at Old Dominion University, there were all these people out there, of course, you know, buy posters for your dorm room, buy this, get that. Here's all this free stuff. All you have to do is sign this, sign up for, you know, on this paper. And I was like, free stuff? Alrighty, I'm poor. I'm a poor college student. I will take your free stuff. Yeah, the free stuff was strings attached. I got a credit card. With a ridiculous interest rate, by the way, ridiculous. And I got into a just I got into debt very quickly, and it took me years to recover from that. So on a very personal level, I'm very interested. I'm I'm interested in what you have to say about financial planning for military families. And one of the big topics we're looking at today is spouses' key decision makers when it comes to our finances. Because we have to have those those frank discussions when it comes to our finances. And if we don't, we're just hurting our family. I'm happy you're no. here. Well, no, and I think uh, that's exactly right because folks in the military have very similar experiences to what you had at Old Dominion with the challenges <laughs> of a lot of people going after them with lots of uh, great opportunities. And it's important to think through your finances kind of strategically and learn those lessons early. Heck, yeah. Heck, yeah. I'm going to um, play a quick advertisement from our sponsors so we can get started right away on the show, okay? Excellent. Okay, here we go. When I'm on base, I'm known as Staff Sergeant Cooper, but at home... Daddy! Hi, Dad. Daddy! Hi. I'm known as Dad, and I wouldn't have it any other way. We know home is at the heart of every military family. 
That's why we founded Armed Forces Insurance, to protect the property of our fellow servicemen and women. Call 1-800-633-2006 for a no-obligation auto, home, or renter quote. Or visit www.afi.org. At Armed Forces Insurance, our mission is you. That's a great ad. I'd like to thank Armed Forces Insurance for being our sponsor. We really appreciate that here on Spouse Bouts. So, Mike, let's talk financial. Oh, can I tell you another story? I'm going to interrupt myself and tell you another story. So when my dad was in the Army, he did 25 years in the Army. And he's also uh, a Vietnam veteran. Mm -hmm. And and he and he was he always used to tell us stories about how pitiful his pay was when he was a butter bar lieutenant and he 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 could barely you know scrape he goes i could barely scrape two pennies together and i thought well that's just wow that's i'm glad things have improved dad um but i remember when we were stationed in germany and there was a community theater and we were all a lot of people were actively involved and my dad actually did the community theater and there was this young airman from the air force base just on the other side of town that came in one day and he goes you guys I'm getting ready to get kicked out of the air force I'm in a lot of trouble and everyone was very confused because he seemed like a stellar airman right we couldn't figure out what was going on with him well wouldn't you know he had been bouncing checks because he did not know how to budget his money and of course this is back before direct deposit and i think and this is going to sound i'm going to age myself here too this is when sure pay do you remember sure pay right yep <laughs> this is when sure pay was just starting to roll out right and so um he he didn't know how to budget his money and there he is living overseas and everything is paid for and he's going places, and he's going to all the festivals and traveling, but he he was writing checks. He just could not afford to be writing. And the Air Force, they, they, you know, they sent him packing. And I thought, well, why aren't we doing financial planning classes for these airmen? And it wasn't just our airmen, our young airmen. Why aren't we doing financial planning classes for our young military, our, our single service members and their families? And if they're not single, you know, these young families who are right. coming overseas, it's expensive. Yes, they're receiving cost of living allowances, but it, you know, sometimes it doesn't cover everything. And then the jobs, of course, overseas are incredibly limited. There's a lot of limitations because you're in a foreign country. And I thought, I, and I remember I was very young. I think I was nine or ten, eight or nine, actually. And I remember asking my parents, why aren't we doing anything about this? And my dad started to, because um, by this point, he was getting towards the end of his career. So he was able to implement some financial planning classes at the Family Support Center. But that was not a military-wide program yet. Yeah. And, no, I, I'm, yeah. Yeah. I'm happy to say that now they've recognized that. I, I was a battery commander in Germany at about that same time. and. Yeah. Uh, you had literally people selling encyclopedias to soldiers thinking, hey, you need to buy this big box of encyclopedias because if you don't buy it now, you know, it's such a great deal. And, and uh, if you can imagine all the crazy things, um, oh, yeah. what, what has happened since then has been uh, things have changed both on the positive and on the negative side. On the positive yeah. side, uh, the military has instituted both local and uh, national 
uh, financial readiness training because they've recognized the issues that uh, you mentioned to be able to reach out to the military in particular. And I think they need to do a better job with the spouses. But uh, there are opportunities uh, out there in some of the local bases through whether it's Army Community Services or or, uh, Navy or Air Force, uh, similar organizations uh, to be able to reach out to folks, as well as things like the Military OneSource, which is a specifically dedicated website that provides some information for folks. Oh, I agree. I agree. It's um. It's, you know, I think one of the biggest issues that families have to work through is actually talking about money. It's a very uncomfortable situation, and it's a very uncomfortable conversation. I, my husband and I are open about everything, and, but I can tell you right now, when it comes time to money, you can see that our, even our body language changes. We just don't like talking about it. It just, I mean, and we talk about it as, as uncomfortable as it makes us. But you can tell there's a level of discomfort. And do you think that's part of the reason that, is, that we it, have military yeah. families in trouble financially? It can be a very stressful part. When I uh, counseled young uh, service members, I uh, directed the economics program at West Point for a long time. So I talked to a lot of cadets that were going to be commissioned, many of them getting ready to <clears throat> be married shortly after they graduated. And I said, you've got, uh, you've got to have a uh, frank conversation with uh, your spouse to figure out uh, what their attitude is and what their behavior is with regard to money, because people come at it from different perspectives. Some people, if they've got money in their check account or money in their wallet, they automatically spend it. Other people are kind of misers. And even though it's a great deal or a great opportunity they're always uh, scared to spend that money because they're afraid of going into debt. And uh, in most couples that I've worked with, one is one type of person and the other is the other type of person. And once you recognize that and can honestly talk about the differences between you, uh, the strength of the couple having both perspectives can actually be very, very important to providing for the overall family financial readiness. That's a really great way of looking at it. And you're right, that conversation and figuring out your spending habits, that has to happen. Otherwise, it's going to become, like you said, very stressful and just, it's going to be impossible to deal with, you know? And, um, and yeah. yeah, I just, I'm starting in my brain. I wish you could see how fast my brain is moving right now. I have so many more questions for you, but I'm going to try to stick to our, our uh, topics here. Um, so uh, you probably don't know this about me, but a few years ago, we lost our rental home here in Fayetteville to tornadoes. Talk oh, about oh, a wow. stressful situation. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We had only lived here about six months too. <laughs> And I thought, you got to be kidding me. We just moved from Tornado Alley in the Midwest to North Carolina. This is, what? This is, this is not supposed to be happening, right? And it was in that moment where my husband and I were now living in a hotel, and he was actually delayed on his deployment. He was supposed to be deploying two days after we lost our house. That we sat down and had to have some very frank financial discussions because we had to start asking the questions, do we want to buy a house? Do we want to rent again? What do we want to do? And when it comes time to insurances, you know, and things of that nature, what are we going to do? You know, 
the big thing I see that I saw out of that was that the conversation was frank and that it wasn't uncomfortable and that we were very, very open about the things we were looking for. And at that point, we hadn't found out if my husband had made E6 or not. So the thing that we sat down with is we looked at his housing allowance as an E5 and we said, we cannot go over this per month in a mortgage payment. And that included our utilities. We wanted our utilities to be part of the housing allowance. That was a big deal for both of us was we didn't want the entirety of the housing allowance to be the mortgage. And then we paid utilities out of pocket. And I'm not, you know, a lot of people think that that was a strange thing for us to want, but I thought that was pretty smart. No. And in fact, I think that that's uh, when we talk to folks, uh, couples, if they're going to talk about these things, I would put it in three categories. They need to have the conversation on their budgets. They need to have their conversation on their savings and investing. And then they ha- need to have the conversation on how do you protect the assets that you have through insurance and other things. And we can talk about these in a lot of detail, but what you just described uh, is really on the budgeting in that you set up a goal. And, yes. uh, and so you had to curtail the, ha- the type of house that you got to be able to fit within an E5's basic allowance for uh, housing uh, to include the utilities. And, yes. and you knew that if you got that and he got promoted to E6, then that would be so much more money that you could put into either house improvements or savings or building up a rainy day fund so the next time a tornado comes through Fayetteville, you'll be ready yeah. or whatever that happens to be. But that's the kind of conversation because – uh, you don't want, and this is why um, uh, the person who doesn't want to spend money in the couple, they need to realize that the you need to come up with common objectives of what do I really want to do? I want to be able to move. I want to be able to take the family on a trip to Disneyland or something like that so that there's a reason to save the money. And then you can have fun saving the money because you've gone ahead and done that. Yes. That, to me, I think is the better, the better plan. You know, I just, I, I, you know, I want to, and, and I'm not saying that my husband is the spendy one because by no means is he. That was definitely more me, especially in college. I just, you know, I would get, I would get money in and I'd be like, oh, I can go out with my friends tonight. Yay. Um, and I told him I was like that when we, when, even before we got married, I, uh, the pastor in the church we got married in actually required that we do premarital counseling and talked about the financial aspect and our financial outlook before we got married. So we wouldn't have any surprises. And I thought that was really smart. And that was one of the things that I told my, my husband, I said, I am, I get a little bit of money and I want to share the wealth with all of my friends. I want to take them out. I want to go to dinner and I want to buy a new pair of shoes. And he looked at me and he goes, you can't do that anymore. And I said, yeah, I know. But I'm going to complain about it. I want you to know that. I will will fight that and I will kick and scream and I will have some serious toddler tantrums. And I'm sorry about that. But that is, I'm not, that's not how my brain is wired when it comes to money. And I'm glad that we had that. Again, it goes back to having these very frank conversations. I'm glad we had that conversation because it really helped us when it came to budgeting 
uh, when we first were married, I had a job. We were stationed overseas. I had a really great job. And then we PCSed, and there wasn't anything available on our base doing what I I had been doing. And all of a sudden, I went from having an income to no income. And that hurt. That was tough. Yeah, no, and and then and the the kind of conversation just to build on that is uh, because uh, spouse contribution to the income uh, of the overall family is really important, especially for the military family. Uh, but it's got to be it is by definition episodic. You know, uh, yeah. my, my my son got married uh, right uh, as he was getting commissioned. They moved five times. And like you, his wife was able to get a job teaching at Fort Carson, didn't get a job at Fort uh, uh, Benning, and now has a job uh, teaching first grade uh, at Fort Lewis, which is great. But what you have to do, the conversation that it's important for them to have is kind of like the conversation with your husband. When the spouse brings in the income, that income doesn't totally get sucked up into savings. Uh, if a spouse brings in income, it's important for some of that spouse income to perhaps have a couple more nights uh, out having dinner and uh, maybe buying a new pair of shoes uh, with still some of that going into the family savings so that there's uh, you kind of build in the incentives so that uh, the spouse feels rewarded for the work that he or she is doing. And that becomes very important for the overall household income. I, yes, I agree. And it's um, I'm looking over some of the, the notes that we had had discussed, and it was, you know, the important and growing role of the spouse in military family finance. I, it is. It's true. We become now, especially in the post 9-11 military, with so many of our service members deploying, spouses are having to take on the financial roles and they're having to not not do just the simple tasks of paying bills, but budgeting and setting up allotments and, oh gosh, the list is endless of what we have to do now. And, but the financial aspect to me is one of the more important parts because we're talking about our ability to keep a roof over our head and food on the table. No, that's right. I mean, it, it really is when you talk to a soldier, he ta- they talk about their combat readiness well, for a family, it really is your financial readiness. And yes. uh, just like the soldier has to be trained, a uh, soldier, sailor, airman, or Marine has to be trained in all of their uh, military skills, the family as a whole, and frequently it's the spouse that needs to be have the training and the financial readiness and ask the questions as, uh, as uh, they need to to be able to get the right kind of advice and uh, manage their affairs well. Yes. Oh, my gosh, absolutely. Okay, I'm going to ask, I'm going to shift gears a little bit. So we have sure. one of your offices here in Fayetteville. Could families walk, make an appointment and go in and sit down and talk with someone? Uh, they can. Uh, um, nice. We, uh, and uh, uh, either in our, the office there in uh, Fayetteville, we've also got offices up here in Virginia, or we've got a whole Intel Center uh, that has a lot of resources that are online that provide uh, assets to it. Let me tell you a little bit about what we do. Um, yes, we've yes, been yes. around actually since 1879, providing uh, uh, primarily uh, sur- support for survivors uh, as well as insurance for people that have been uh, uh, 
uh, for those that are in the military or have been in the military. And so that's kind of what we have focused on. We now have expanded it. So uh, for anybody purchasing homes, we have a mortgage services company as well as a wealth management financial planning uh, organization uh, that are all nonprofit, just dedicated to taking care of service members. And that's what that office in Fayetteville does. Okay. I love that. That's great. Because that's, that's the support families need. You know, that's, that's exactly what we're looking for. You know, I, it's funny. I grew up in the military, but there was so much I didn't understand when I got married to my husband. I I remember looking over his LES the first time. I was like, I don't even know what this means. What? (laughs) And he laughed and he goes, let me explain it to you. And I'm so glad he did, but it was not an easy document for me to decipher at first. I felt like I was looking at code. No, that's right. And that's, that is an important step. Just understanding those kinds of simple things are very, very important. Yes. Oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> In fact, I'll no. tell you, you asked a little bit about AFMA. If we've got, I'll tell you the quick story, which I think your listeners may find interesting. We were actually founded to take care of Army spouses uh, because really? back in the Old West, uh, when uh, people would be out settling uh, folks, if anybody, a service member died out on the plains, they would pass a hat. That's where the concept of passing a hat would come in. And whatever oh. money got put in the hat, that's what the spouse would get to be able to live on for the rest of her life. Oh, wow. Uh, and then in 1876, Custer was wiped out with the 7th Cavalry at the Battle of Little Bighorn. And the yep. Army said, hey, this passing hat system doesn't work. So they had a committee with Generals Abner Doubleday and Philip Sheridan and Arthur MacArthur, and they founded the Army Mutual Aid Association, where everybody chips in a little bit of money. And then when a spouse, uh, when a service member dies, the spouse gets uh, a benefit from all of the other members. So that's essentially how we grew from that very small organization with about a thousand people to having over a hundred thousand people and 25 billion of insurance, taking care of service members and taking care of those. Uh, especially after they leave the service, because many of these military benefits that you have now uh, don't carry with you after you uh, leave the service or retire. No, you're right about that. It's interesting that you bring that one up because my husband is three years out to retirement when he is eligible to retire. And I'm fairly certain that he wants to just do his 20 and then retire because he's he joined at 18. He will not even be 40, and he's almost finished with his degree, and he really wants to move Great. into a second job um, fairly quickly. I thought that was interesting. I thought, you don't want to just take you know, maybe a couple of months off, and he goes, what am I going to do? I'll be bored. I've been working since I was 16. Okay. Um, but he, it was interesting. We were starting to talk about transitioning. Because we're in that phase now of his career that transitioning is, the, is a topic of conversation. And he even said, you know, when I retire, I'm not going to have SGLI anymore. We're going to have to look into life insurance. I wish you could have seen the look on my face. I mean, I, I just stopped and went, no, you're right. I, what? <laughs> what? Yeah. You're not going to have that anymore. And he goes, no, I won't be active duty. What? And I kept on saying what? I must have said it 10 times to him. And he just kind of, he just started to chuckle a little bit. But that is some of the, the support that our active duty service members receive that they 
won't have once they retire. Am I, I'm right about that, you're, right? You're exactly right. And, it, and okay. in fact, that's, uh, you, you've got the phase of life that you were in when you were in, in the service. And then the second phase is what you're just talking about in terms of transitioning. And not only will you not have SGLI, but you won't have uh, essentially completely free health care. You essentially yeah, I won't, know. You, you won't have uh, completely free MWR access to all the gyms that you're going to. Uh, you won't have reduced price shopping at the commissary uh, and reduced, uh, and depending upon where you live, you may or may not have reduced price access to the gasoline that you've got. And so th- that kind of, and, and you're in the circumstance where it makes sense to do that about three or four years out. Uh, and I can give you some tips that might apply to uh, transitioning families like yours. Oh, I will take them. Any of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll take the them all. I'm not kidding. I will take them all because one of the shows we definitely want to work on is a transition. We were actually thinking about doing a three-part series on transitioning out of the military. So I will take any and all information. Well, it might be good because – and uh, either uh, now or at some other point, but I'll give you just some quick examples. Uh, your husband, like most folks who have served for 20 years, uh, my guess is that he, if he's been at Fort Bragg, he's done a lot of jumping and his back's probably messed up, but he's – got a variety of things that what you'll want to do is it'll be very important as he transitions out to make sure that he um, assesses all of those uh, disabilities that have been incurred by military service and the veterans administration will give him a disability rating, which is helpful and important because he'll get some compensation for that. And the VA will help take care of him. And and there's a lot of more details that I can talk about that. Okay. The other but, but related to that, when you looked at his um, uh, leave and earning, earning statement, he's probably paying $28 per month. Um, yes. And if he wanted to, what he could do from our organization or some other organization is get the equivalent of SGLI. Uh, SGLI is actually, it's a, gr- it's a great opportunity because they have to accept everybody in the military. Uh, it's run by a consortium of insurance folks, uh, run by Prudential, and it's very effective. Uh, but like I said, it costs $28 per month. Uh, we do the same thing for $18.15 per month. Nice. And the advantage of what we have is that it would then carry forth beyond uh, when you leave active duty. And so before the uh, – uh, and you'd have to be underwritten, you'd have to answer all the questions. So – in your circumstance where you've got a family that's dependent upon the income, it probably makes sense for transitioning soldiers. And it's not just us. You could look at USAA, you could look at uh, uh, select quote or somebody else to get other insurance to supplement the SGLI, which you probably need anyway. And then that would carry you forward before you've done all the health uh, questions for the VA that might document a lot of maladies and problems uh, that you may have. And frankly, as we get older, uh, you have more of those problems that might make you uh, have to pay more for insurance or potentially become uninsurable. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. He said um, he's had a couple of injuries with jumps. So um, yeah, he's, uh, and, and it's funny, he's already, you can see that uh, he dislocated his shoulder and he actually dislocated it at the clavicle. Which, 
Yeah, I looked at him when he told me that that's what he did. And actually, when the doctor told us that, I just looked at him and I said, I don't know how you did that, but that is a crazy injury. That is yeah. terrible. And um, yeah, you can see every now and then, you know, the, the morning start out a little bit chillier. Ooh, that shoulder of his is certain. And, right. um, and, and the key to coach uh, to tell him now is as he's doing more and more physicals, as he's getting closer to retirement, he needs to document all of those problems that he's got. And you probably know them as well or better than he does. I do. <laughs> and it's yeah. not, not the way that he's gone to the doctor for the last 17 years, which is, hey, don't worry, doc, just give me some Motrin. I'll be fine. Let me go out on this next deployment. Let me go out on this next training exercise, which he has been doing. It's really important yes. now to be fully honest with the doctors about all the issues and problems that you've got so that the Veterans Administration and the Army long-term can take care of you. Yes, exactly. Um, my dad actually sat him down uh, and gave him the low, you know, gave him the lowdown too. My dad has um, cancer due to Agent Orange exposure, and as you know, that was a, a hard, a hard-fought battle for our veterans, our Vietnam veterans with Agent Orange exposure to receive compensation, VA compensation, and. And I'm glad they got it because my dad was very, very sick. He's, he beat his cancer, thankfully, but he Great. was very sick. Yeah, and that's he, a whole other yeah. discussion of because for the Vietnam-era veterans, it becomes particularly important because your mother-in-law, I guess it would be, is at, even after he passes will be able to get additional benefits because of his exposure to Agent Orange, uh, assuming that that's contributed to uh, what he eventually passes away from. Oh, wow. Well, I did not know that. I did yeah. not know that. And I know that the VA is now doing stuff for our for the burn pit. Uh, my husband signed up for that because he was exposed to them a couple of times. So, no, yeah. And that's, yeah, and that's, yeah. I think, just like the Gulf War Syndrome was for those who uh, deployed the Desert Storm, you hear some of the hoarseness in my voice from uh, all the smoke and stuff we inhaled in Iraq and Afghanistan, it is the same thing. And that's why it is important for your husband and, and other veterans out there. And really, the, the husbands won't do it. Uh, spouses no. need to encourage their military member, uh, husband or wife, to sign up for the burn pit registry if, in fact, they were exposed to that. Because eventually, that will get into the big data and the VA uh, that I've worked with uh, is processing all of that information. And that way, they can have good conclusions about what the long-term health effects of uh, exposure to burn pits and all the smoke and all that stuff is. Exactly. Yes. When I, I, I was the one, which is not surprising as the spouse, but I was the one that, that had first heard about the burn pit registry. And I immediately sent the link to him via email at work. And I said, sign up, sign up today. I'm going to check. I'm going to figure out a way to check. And he goes, <laughs> uh, you won't need to do that. And I'll sign up. I, there, I'll be okay. And I went, I want you to take care of yourself. I know you were there then, and I know you were exposed to this. And he goes, yes, I was. And he did it. He signed up and everything. But, um, again, here comes the role of the spouse in the overall health and wellness of a family. And how this is, again, of another reason why we have to be be a part of these conversations because – Though the service member might be the one who is retiring or transitioning out or injured or whatever, that impacts an entire family. It's not just the service member it's impacting. It impacts us as a family, too. 
And I'm glad that you're, I'm so happy you're on the show today so we can have these very honest discussions. Thank you. No, uh, it's, it's very important. It's great to get the word out there and it's uh, good to have your audience be exposed to this. Well, thank you. So something that you um, also made me think about when we uh, just going back a few minutes, I guess, in conversation um, is budgeting. We talked a little bit about budgeting, but I think budgeting can be one of the trickiest areas. I, um, when I was in college, I was terrible at a budget. I just couldn't stick with it. I would have the best intentions. I really did. I had the best intentions. I would get these forms. I'd fill them out. I don't know, somewhere, you know, somewhere the forms just were like, you know, whatever. You know, I, I just, I don't know. I just, I could not stick with it. And, of course, I was living paycheck to paycheck. I was on financial aid, and I was doing federal work study, and I was living paycheck to paycheck. And I am, we don't do that now because we budget far better as a family, but that's a tough way to live. It is. And um, I, I think when we talk to folks about budgeting, uh, the, uh, very few people do a military operation without a written plan. Uh, so, uh, and so we're used to having written plans and military folks are used to planning things out in intricate detail. Yes. And then they come home and they get, uh, fortunately, the uh, military service members actually, compared with most uh, uh, other professions, are pretty well compensated. Uh, and yes. generally, you ought to be able to live within those means. But people just go home and they may or may not have any kind of a written plan, anything written down in terms of budgeting. And that's why it really is important to put together a budget with your spouse uh, and try to live within those means. And I uh, can go into a little bit more detail about uh, what the steps would be to be able to do that. Oh, I would love that. Um, quick, quick little story here. After my husband came home from Iraq last year, and we knew, of course, that he would be receiving, you know, hazard duty pay, family separation pay, all of those additional pays that he receives for being in, in a combat zone again. Um, we had really thought, let's, let's get a, a, a Disney planner and let's plan this phenomenal Disney vacation. And we started going through it. And even with all the military discounts, I, there was something in the pit of my stomach that just didn't set well. Right. And I talked to him via Skype and I said, you know, something isn't right. And it's not that I think that this is a bad vacation and I think we're being swindled. That's not it. This seems like a lot of money to spend on a vacation. I just am not comfortable with spending this kind of money. And though we have budgeted for it, I would prefer that we save it and for a vacation we are more comfortable with taking, right? And, and he agreed. He said, you know what, I, I agree with you because it was bothering me too. I, I felt like yeah. that this was just, it's Disney, I get it, it's great, it's going to be fun, but what if it isn't? What if we spend all this money and it turns out to be a really bad vacation and we will have spent $2,000 on a vacation that we're always going to say, gosh, we could have saved that. Right, and that's exactly what you're getting into is the fundamentals of budgeting is establishing both long-term goals, short-term goals, and then, uh, or 
the short term, sort of short to medium term goals, and then being able to figure out what is left over for your expenses, take care of day to day. And in fact, that's yes. sort of the way that you ought to plan it. Um, because if, and then what you did is you reevaluated the Disney vacation as sort of an intermediate term goal that you were saving money for. And that may or may not be worth it. And it may be more valuable to do still have a vacation, take advantage of the block leave and go to uh, some nice place there in the uh, North Carolina shore or something like that, that was a little bit less expensive uh, and, and then save that money for something else that you might want to do more later on. Yeah, I, it was, um, it just wasn't, it wasn't, it, you know, it wasn't what was right for us. And, yeah. um, and then we decided, though, this was an interesting aspect to this all. We decided because we wanted to do this as a big family vacation. And I said, I don't even know if our son really wants to go to Disney. <laughs> you know? And so I sat him down. He was only six. at the, He's seven now, so he was six at the time. And I said, would you like to go to World, you know, Walt Disney World? And he said, no, I don't. He goes, it looks very big and scary, and I'm not ready for that, Mommy. And I thought, well, that answers the question. We're not going. <laughs> No, and, and probably with a little bit more savings when he's 11 or 12 and wants to do all the scary rides and going up and down and all of that, uh, that may be the more appropriate time to uh, have those kinds of larger expenditures. Exactly, exactly. And I thought, well, yay, this is, uh, that takes that pressure off of trying to plan this perfect vacation that might yeah. not be so perfect. And we ended up doing a weekend, a, 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 an extended weekend at the beach. And I got to tell you something, that was the best thing. That yeah. was exactly what we wanted to do. But, yeah, yeah that and, and I, again, it goes back to when you're budgeting, conversations like this have to happen. It's okay to say, you know, I really don't want to go to Disney. Or I would really like to try to save our money to go on X, Y, and Z vacation. Right. You know, no, and... I, um, yeah, I just and the other thing I think is important um, is in regards to children. I think it's important for our son to see us sitting down and going over a budget because financial planning and financial education has to start, in my opinion, at a very young age. No, that's exactly right. Your son sounds like he's learning that you know mom and dad are good providers and. You can get anything that you need, but not everything that you want. Uh, uh, so that if there's something that it, it, you actually need, you can do that, but you're certainly not going to be able to do everything. And that's where choices come in. And uh, uh, that's true regardless of the age and regardless of the level of income that a person has. Yes, we actually, um, he gets, he earns an allowance now, right? It's, he's very excited. I mean, you would think that a quarter was um, a gold bar, okay? <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's the cutest thing I've ever seen. But really, that's what he thinks. He's like, I got a quarter? I have a quarter. And I thought, well, you know what, kid? Keep it simple. That is a great thing, right? But he saved up his quarters, right? And I mean, we decided to count them, and we looked them over, and we he saved up his quarters, and he had $73. Wow. I know. I thought all from quarters. And so what we would do is occasionally is take out some of the quarters and then replace them with bills because right. I just didn't have that much. I didn't have that much change in my house. And 
But he had saved up $73, and I asked him, I said, well, what would you like to do with it? And he goes, I think I'm going to hold on to it for now. There's a Lego I want. Okay. Good for you. You know, and he is. He's been eyeballing this Lego, and he has almost enough money to get it, but he really wants to earn that Lego, right, this big Lego set. You know, those Lego sets get very expensive, but he's doing it. He's doing his chores. He's doing extra things around the house so he can earn his little quarters, and he can get out there and get that Lego set. It's the cutest thing. Yeah, and both that will be more important to him when he gets it because he's earned that, and it will be – uh, you know, that's a critically important life lesson for him to have developed. I think so. I, um, my parents had me doing chores when I was, in, you know, and in, in earning an allowance when I was a kid. And I was, you know, and I, I'm thinking back to my time, especially when I was in college. I used to be so much better with money until I went to college and I wasn't sitting there with my parents every day going over my finances. I clearly didn't take as many notes as I thought I had. But also, I, you know, it just, I thought I was doing it right. And, and I learned some really great lessons about budgeting. Now, one of the big things that I do as a, as a spouse is I give myself a weekly allowance. Because if I don't, I'll just spend. And I won't even know that I'm spending. That's the crazy part. I'll say, oh, I can go out and get this. Or, oh, let me just buy this really fast and blah, 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 blah. No, 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 no. I can't, you know, I can't do the $100 trips to Target for no reason. Right. And that, yeah, that's, uh, that is a really important technique of a giving yourself a budget and B if you've got, uh, for the short term or long term uh, things, one advantage that people have with the military system and, and you've probably already used it and many other spouses have is frankly, the way that you can do allotments is actually pretty important. Uh, because if you have a longer term spending needs, my wife and I, when we were over in Germany, we uh, opened up a separate checking account because uh, I think it was because of a car loan or something like that. But we had a different bank that had a different checking account, and that happened to be the white checkbook. And an, an allotment went into that to pay for the car loan where we ended up paying off the car loan. But we kept that allotment going in there, and it was almost yes. as if that money was totally separate. We didn't count that as part of our income, and that went into the long-term savings. And just like your son saving up the quarters, if you put in $100 or $200 or $300 a month into that, eventually that adds up to real money. And if it is kind of separated from the direct deposit that goes into the normal checking account that you pay your normal expenses out of, you will save up a lot of money in that kind of way. And that can help discipline you in that that kind of money is out of sight and out of mind. And then uh, it was a dramatic event in our family when you had to go to the lockbox and take out the white checkbook to pay for that very expensive thing that you were going to pay for because, you know, again, we had a circumstance where my father-in-law passed away and we had to all go out for the funeral. We could uh, pay for all of that because we had appropriately saved up the money and that was an unexpected expense. And so you take out the white checkbook and you pay for that. And that's yep. sometimes a useful way of segregating accounts there so that you can live off of the money that you get day to day, but then still save things for the long term. Yes. Yes. And that is um, something that we did. We, our, both of our cars are paid off and we, um, 
actually kept the car payment going into a sep- into a into a savings account because of that. We thought, you know what, we're already not used to having this money. It was set yep. up as an allotment. We'll just keep it going. Yeah, and we'll then just- at some point when that car needs to be replaced, you instead of you borrowing money from the some loan company and paying them interest, you've essentially been paying yourself interest, albeit a very small amount in today's low interest environment, but then you're able to pay cash for some or uh, hopefully most of the car once you trade in your old car. And then that way, that's free and clear, and you can continue to have that deposit essentially literally paying your car payments forward. Yes, that is our, that is our goal. Um, it's, uh, we have one of our cars is actually 10 years old now, and yes. I have no desire to get a new car. I mean, none whatsoever. And this car is a Toyota. It keeps on ticking. The gas mileage is phenomenal. It yeah. is amazing. And I don't think we've even had major repairs done to the car. It's still, it's still just, it keeps on kicking. I can't believe it. A 10 year old car. Right. And I told my husband, I said, I'm going to drive it until it, it falls apart. Literally, I'm going to have to, it's going to, I'm going to be holding it together with duct tape because <laughs> one, I love the little car. It's just so adorable and it's just perfect to scoot around town in. I don't need anything bigger. You know, I, it has great in-town gas mileage. It's very cost effective. And I said, but two, I just don't want a car payment right now. Yeah. I really don't. It, the, the car payment to replace that car would probably be 400 a month or almost $5,000 a, a year. So even though it it may be, uh, you may feel, geez, this car yeah, is a scratch on this side and the bumper's a little dented. Is it really worth the $5,000 that I would have to pay this year to be able yeah. to get a new car? Uh, eventually you'll have to, but in the meantime, yeah. be putting that money into a car payment so that to the extent possible, you're able to pay mostly cash for the replacement to that car. That is our goal, actually. We had we had talked about that. Um, this has been uh, you are seriously opening up my my mind here with with our financial planning and everything. I mean, even thinking about things that we can do as a family to talk about it more. And speaking of that, do you have what are some of the resources that you have available that I can go online and find and share with? our families and share with the spouse spouse listeners. I was, you know, stuff that I can post on our Facebook page. Sure. Uh, um, I'll send you some of these things that way you can post them directly, but we have at AFMA.com. That's A-A-F-M-A-A.com. There's all the information about what we do. And then right at the very top is the Intel center. Um, okay. Uh, and that has all of the various, information, everything from right now where uh, talks about the new, uh, the military's new retirement system, uh, how to plan for financial changes during transitions, uh, the various insurance programs for military spouses, uh, savings and investing. Uh, and then right now, obviously, we're featuring things about uh, what to do to uh, prepare for and react to Hurricane Harvey and Hurricane Irma, uh, which uh, kind of like when your family de- uh, experienced the devastating tor- tornadoes that went through Fayetteville, that uh, is important, affecting a lot of our service members in the Texas and Florida areas. 
Oh, gosh, yes. We had a Hurricane Matthew that came through this area last year. And, and I remember part of the devastation that people don't think about is that you had families that were very secure. They were financially secure. They had homes. They had clothes on their backs. Again, food on their tables, everything. They had security. And then all of a sudden, they didn't. And they became homeless in a way because their home had been destroyed or flooded and that now had severe mold damage and they had to find a new place to live. And um, now they're having to buy, you know, granted, if you have insurance, you, you will, you know, you'll get some of this back. But at the same time, you go from being a very secure, financially, uh, physically, emotionally secure family to being very insecure. And I got to tell you, having been through that, there is not a lot out there that is going to prepare you for those moments in your life. It is, it is the scariest thing I've ever been through. I can honestly say that it was the hardest point of my life. And I, but we kept moving forward, but it was not easy. It was not easy. So my heart goes out to the families right now. I understand. Yeah. No. And Susan, what is interesting is you are, typical of a military spouse because anybody else listening to this with your husband having been deployed to Iraq and deployed and all these other things, describing that as being, gee, one of the scariest things, most people would be surprised at that, but that speaks to the resiliency uh, and the credit to you and all the other military spouses because of what you do every single day. It's just absolutely amazing uh, and, and shows the strength of all of the spouses that we have out there. Well, Mike, you're now my new favorite person. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And um, and I think that families have to remember we need to talk to our fellow spouses about understanding yeah. finance, the finance, financial aspects of the military and understanding how to budget. It's okay to sit down. And I'm big into having very open discussions. I like frank and open conversation. I think we need more of it. I I mean, I'm not saying let's overshare and talk about, you know, stuff that shouldn't be talked about, but I'm also, um, I'm also one for looking around and seeing what my resources are available. And military spouses, especially those of us who have been around the military a long time, uh, like myself, who was a child, an Army kid, and now an Air Force spouse, uh, we have a wealth of knowledge and That's resources right. stored yeah. in, I guess, file cabinets in our brains almost. No, and it's sometimes it's sharing uh, lessons where, gee, you know, we really made uh, a bad financial mistake. I ended up putting money, you know, my good friend said that there was a great deal on a hot stock tip. And so we put too much money in there and, and that wasn't the right kind of thing for us financially so that other spouses can benefit from the mistakes you've made. On the other hand, there's techniques like separating the accounts or or one of the tips that I often tell folks, once you've set up those separate accounts, when the military member gets promoted, you ought to, uh, so for example, as you mentioned, if husband gets promoted from E5 to E6, and uh, mm-hmm. just to make calculations easy, let's say that's a $200 a month raise, you spend an additional $100 in your lifestyle, and you put the extra $100 in that allotment, so that that builds up time, uh, money over time, because you were certainly living on the previous salary before. If you spend half and you save half, 
that's a great great technique to save a lot of money over time. Yes. Yes, it is. Because with the way things are changing now, we're going to have to save. I don't know if aggressively is the best word, but we need to be more thoughtful and deliberate in our savings and our saving techniques. And I'm so glad that you all exist as a company for us so we can sit down and talk with you because, you know, we won't, we won't get it, you know, get it, to, you know, get it done in this show, but I'm going to have you come back. I want you to know sure. that you're going to come back. And we're going to talk about the retirement, the blended retirement. Um, my husband, because of when he joined, he is not doing the blended retirement and he's doing the traditional 20 year retirement. But he now has troops. He now has young airmen that are under his, um, you know, he is their supervisor. And they come to him frequently asking about the blended retirement. And he has had to go out and do a lot of research because so that's, yep, that's not right. something you're, he's the most familiar with, but he doesn't want to get them bad information. Yeah, your husband is part of only about 13% of the current people that are on active duty will not be affected and will not have the choice of moving in. Eight, between yeah. 80 and 87% of those that are currently on active duty will have the option to go in. And then once they go into the blended retirement system, they will have a uh, automatic contribution from the government. And then hopefully, and we'll talk more about this later, uh, hopefully they'll be putting in money that gets matched so every service member is going to be interested in the stock market and the various TSP funds and all of that. So it's going to cause senior leaders, uh, senior non-commissioned officers and officers to have to know more about the financial things and, and military spouses and families to learn the different aspects of TSP. And that I think that would be a great thing to talk about at a future broadcast. Wonderful. Wonderful. I need to play a commercial again from our sponsor, and then we're going to start wrapping up the show. And I want to get, again, I want to make sure we have your contact information um, again. So let me play that commercial really fast. Super. When I'm with the fleet, I'm known as Petty Officer Lopez. But at home... Honey, can you get this down for me? I'm just Tony, and that's fine with me. We know home is at the heart of every military family. That's why we founded Armed Forces Insurance, to protect the property of our fellow servicemen and women. Call 1-800-633-2006 for a no-obligation auto, home, or renter quote. Or visit www.afi.org. At Armed Forces Insurance, our mission is you. Ah, that's such a good ad, isn't it? (laughs) It is. Actually, we've worked with AFI. They are a great organization. Yes, they are. I I really like them. We had Lori Simmons on the show last week, and she is just a bundle of fun. Yeah, I they love do her. for property and uh, uh, autos and uh, those sorts of things. What we do for life insurance, organized with similar kinds of principles and totally dedicated to the service members. Oh, I know. I love that about them. And, I, and I'm, it's making me just love your company as well because it's, it's really good to see this dedication to our service members. Um, before we, as we start to wrap up, one of the things I like to forewarn people about, especially if they're dealing with their first deployment as family members, is I always tell them, so you're going to see an increase in pay. Please be mindful of, um, I call them the scam artists. They're like con artists out there. I said of people who want to give you, you know, 
have you buy a new car while your spouse is deployed and the interest rate is ridiculous, come back here. Come back and talk to somebody in the squadron, please, before you Absolutely. do anything like that. Um, because we need to my, – my goal is, as I'm, I'm – I'm one of the, I was, I was a key spouse for the long, an FRG leader for a while. Right. And that was one of the things that I talked about with families was you have to really, you have to be mindful of these things. Some things are really too good to be true. No, that's, Listen that's to your a, instincts. Yeah, that's exactly right. Compared with the civilian world, those in the Air Force, those in the Army, uh, Navy, Air, uh, Marines have a fixed budget. When their spouses deploy, that separation pay, that hazardous duty pay, essentially is like a bonus. And what you don't want to do is squander that away on uh, either the great deal that somebody's going to take advantage of you with, or uh, as I uh, joke, retail therapy, uh, taking yes. care of yourself. You want to be able to have a plan for that before the spouse deploys so that that money is not wasted. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and there's always something that seems to pop up during a deployment that needs requires tons of money. I remember with my husband's first deployment, he had this really great older Jeep, right? And that thing, and we lived at, we were stationed in Nebraska. It had four-wheel drive. It was great in all the snow. But, man, that thing was a money pit. Oh, my gosh, that Jeep made me crazy. We had saved so much money. We were going to take a vacation and go out to Seattle when he got back from his first deployment, right? And we were excited, always wanted to go. It was going to be fun. And then the transition needed to be replaced in that Jeep. And I will never forget that phone call. And I said, um, your Jeep is the bane of my existence. (laughs) But we had, we, you know, like your white checkbook, we knew that that was really more rainy day money. And so all that wonderful, you know, I mean, it didn't cost, you know, it cost a couple thousand dollars, I'll be honest. And, and, and I was in school full time, so I wasn't working at that point. So I felt really proud that we had saved up that money, but we needed a working vehicle for him to get to, to work. I had to go to school and I was driving about 45 minutes away to go to back to school. And he was only driving 15, you know, 10 minutes down the road, but he still had to have a car. And we... We replaced the transmission, but man, it hurt. Well, it would have hurt much, much worse had you put that on a had to put that on a credit card and then oh, paid yeah. fifteen to eighteen percent interest on that, and you'd still be paying that off had you not had the financial planning. And that's what we need to encourage uh, with military spouses and military families. Yes, we do. So I'm going to share your website and any information that you send me. Um, can pretty consistently on our spouse spouse Facebook page because I think more families need to to reach out to you. I think they need to sit down and talk with you all because I think it's important. And um, I and as we're coming into the last minute of the show, I just wanted to say thank you for being on our show today because it has been wonderful. Well, great, Suzanne. This has been great for me. I uh, anytime there's an opportunity to talk to. Military spouses is uh, is excellent, and uh, look forward to doing this again. Oh, we're gonna have you back. I hope you know that. That's not like, and I'm not trying to be threatening. Like we're gonna have you back. No, I want you to come back. This is great information, and we need to talk about the blended retirement and the transitioning, because that is something that I don't fully understand, and so I'm learning something from you too. Thank you, Mike. Well, thank you very much. This has been wonderful. We've had Mike on. 
Mike Me from AASM. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of the only podcast worthy of all military spouses, Spouse Spouts with Susan Reynolds and Dave Etter. May the rest of your day, your week, your you time be better time after spending this time with us. Until next time, coffee on. Well, thank you, Mike. Great, Susan. No, that was that was very good, and um, uh, uh, happy to do this at uh, you know whatever other times uh, might work out well. Oh, that would be wonderful. I know we're going to look at something probably in. Um, I we we also like to talk in November about financial planning for the holidays. Great. So um, I think it would be wonderful to have you come back on then. And something else I was going to ask you, and I don't want to seem too forward, but we are always looking for sponsors on our show. And I don't yeah. know who I would need to speak to about that, but we would love to have you all as a sponsor and have you come back regularly as one of our sponsored guests. Because sure. I think what you do is amazing. I really, and I'm not kidding when I say that. We need this. This is exactly what not just military families, but veterans families, retiree families, we need you. <laughs> no, I, I, mean, I, I, I that sounds so crazy. I'm sorry to say it like that, but we do. We really need what your we need your service. Yeah, no, I think that would be great. So if you, um, I don't know whether you uh, have my email for some. I uh, do. Aaron, Aaron sent. I didn't get the link, so she had to send me the link to click on. Okay, it's M Meese M M E E S E at AFMA.com, A-A-F-M-A-A.com. If you send me the information about sponsoring, when I heard that AFI was sponsoring this broadcast, I thought, gee, why aren't we doing that? Uh, So I'll check with our marketing folks to see what we've got uh, in the budget and whether that might be possible to do at some point. Um, That's great. Also, I don't know if you know this, but because we just were kind of virtually meeting, but I'm very good friends with Babette Maxwell, who is now over with Military One Click. Oh, yeah. And you know they do the Mill Spouse Fest, right? Right. I don't know if you're involved with that, but I can tell you firsthand, having been to one, you all would be very happy to be involved with that program. And that's just me as a spouse. Letting you know, because I think they're going to do 14 events next year. Huh, because we have our spouselink.org that does some stuff, but that may be something for them to take a look at uh, where we can do it, because we do a variety of sponsorships to the extent that we can uh, within our budget, but that is, but if, if you've got any information on that, definitely send that to me as well. I'd appreciate it. That is great. I might just send and do an introduction email to you and great. for you and Babette. Is that all right? That's perfect. Okay, she's amazing. I don't know if you know Babette, but she is amazing. She started Military Spouse Magazine all those years ago. Oh, yeah. Well, and I think we uh, – well, what's dumb is our marketing people probably work with her all the time. Uh, oh, yeah. I think we, I, I, we do articles in Military Spouse Magazine, and, in fact, I think we are the title sponsors of the Spouse of the Year uh, that they do in May, I believe. Yes. Yes, I was involved uh, with that program for many okay. years. I ended up becoming the Joan or Air Force Spouse of the Year, which is actually uh, the it's a huge award in the Air Force. It is, you know, the chief of staff, it, you know, sits down and goes oh, over yeah. the award packets and 
He's like, that's the one. That <laughs> That's great. Yeah, so when I got to meet General Welsh a couple of years ago because of it, and I gave him a hug, a hugger, uh, you know, at, when he was presenting me my award. And I'm not kidding. I was like, I was so excited to meet him. I was like, oh, my gosh. And I screamed, and he was like, he screamed back because he got excited, too, and we hugged each other, like, you know, on the stage in front of all the Air Force. All the four yeah. stars are sitting there, and they're just, you know, laughing because they're like, did that girl just really hug the chief of staff in front of everybody? Yeah, she sure did. <laughs> And, and your husband's cringing in the background, I'm sure. Yes, because he's an E6, and he's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, please don't let me get in trouble. <laughs> and then General Walsh, this is the funniest part, too. Then General Walsh is like, where's your husband? I was like, he's right over there, and I point at him from the stage. He's like, well, let's get him up here. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what he wanted to do. <laughs> yes, he he walks up there. And he's like, hey, sir, how are you? But I'll tell you this, that moment, you know, he's like, oh, I'm Tech great. Sergeant Reynolds. It's nice to meet you. And he's like, you know, but, he, and, and it was really, it was a really cool moment and everything. But I'll tell you, it, it, General Welsh and I actually became the Welsh family and my family. We became very, t- very good friends after that. Yeah. And, um, no. and he's very, you know, and I'm sad that he's, you know, I love the new chief of staff. Don't get me wrong, but man, I really do miss Mark Welsh. I loved him. <laughs> No, he's he's a I've uh, done a variety of events uh, with him here, both in my uh, role uh, uh, at AFBA and otherwise. But he's he really is a uh, great leader for the Air Force. Oh, yeah, he really he really was. But, um, yeah, I'll get you that information about us, about sponsoring our show. And what we can do is just even provide, you know, we can put information on our Facebook page and. Right. Uh, we can do commercials too, and then have you come back on, or have a, you know have someone come back on the show. And I'm going to look up the information about Southlink too, because I've heard of yeah. it, and yeah. I see it around here all the time. Because this is Fort Bragg, you know how events are right. around here. This place, right. you know, this is this is Bragg. We do a lot here. <laughs> so, but Mike, it's been so great. You are amazing, well, and I'm and no, I'm not kidding. Thank you, thank you for I'm being on the that- show. Aaron set it up and, and we'll continue to uh, do other things. I think uh, we'll take a look at the sponsoring that we can do and other things. So, Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you. And have a wonderful day. Okay. You too. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye.